0: Is this the crusty crab? No, this is Hard rock, lunch, box. Is this the crusty crab? No! This is Hard rock, lunch, box.
1: Is this the crusty crab?
0: No! This is Hard Rock, lunch, box! <gasps> <gasps> i am not a crusty
2: crab. Ah, oh, man. What is up, everybody? Also, what is going on with my sound? Starting the day off good? Alright. Oh, this might be a headphone issue. He's cold. Is that better? Can everybody hear me alright? I don't want to go through one of those shows where everybody's wondering if I haven't even started the show yet. So I want to make sure. Let's check. Check with the chat. 99WNRR.com Everybody hear me? Nope. Alright, cool. So far, nothing but crickets. Good. Alright. Good stuff. Alright, cool. <laughs> well, uh, okay, good. Thanks. Thanks, G. We hear you, Fooner. Well, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> let's go ahead and proceed i had a lot of weird stuff going on just trying to get here like i literally work right over there like not even like you know people like i work that way down the road like it's not even that like like watch this Let let me see if i can let me see if i can do a demonstration uh i'm gonna take this highlighter ready watch that just hit my desk. That is literally how far away I work, and the amount of trouble I had getting here from there is just stunning. Uh, let's go for a quick beard update. Hold on. Yeah, if you're watching this uh, next week from the on the top twenty, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. It looks like it's doing all right. I uh, I, I, uh, I, uh. I I I trimmed down the sides. Had a discussion with my my producer, David Caggiano, about beard maintenance, mainly because I showed up on Saturday looking like um, I can't remember the dude's name from Little House in the Prairie, but he was like one of those mountain men. Like, and I didn't want to do that. But you gotta understand something. Like, whenever I take on a project like this, this is true of almost everything I've been doing over the past ten years. This this is how like so I okay. <laughs> let's let's bring everything to a screeching halt and back up a little bit. So I do not have bipolar. Uh, I I am I am not diagnosed with bipolar at all. I am diagnosed with clinical depression and have bouts of it. Uh, but in um in practice, it feels very bipolar because when I'm not having a depressive attitude or, or a depressive episode, it feels often like, um, wow, let's do lots of stuff. Like, let's go ride bikes, you know, that kind of stuff, which to somebody that's depressed all the time, feels pretty manic. <laughs> now, I know, personally, I know true bipolars. Also, I have a psych degree, so I actually know what it means to be bipolar, and I don't have that, but I do want to put it into context, like I have two poles of my mood, <laughs> you know, my my mom told me I was going to grow out of the bathroom humor, but like, it's been a few years, it's been several minutes, and I haven't grown out of it yet, so mom, you're listening, No, know you're not, wrong again, yeah, that's uh, that's almost the perfect record so far. Um, So, basically, uh, I just have two flavors of my mood. Well, that's not even true. Like, I have a whole gradient, right? But so, like, I normally operate down here. So what happens is when I'm feeling normal, that's when I have all my ideas. That's when it's like, cool, let's do the Raceway Diaries Live. Let's do unplugged shows. Let's book anything and everything. Let's record again. Let's grow a beard, right? That was one of those moments. (laughs) But the other thing I have that does not oscillate between one and the other is I have what I like to call laziness. Yeah, so (laughs) that's not even fair. I don't even know why I do that. Like, I I am definitely not lazy. What I am is burned the F out, and they don't have a word for that. So, (laughs) I mean, they have some. I mean, technically, if you want to get, like, all clinical about it, I have what's called adrenal fatigue. And that happens from time to time where it just kind of lays me out. And I learned that lesson really hard when I came back to South by Southwest, first time we went down there, because I just, I, I guess, mentally wanted to be like, what can this old body take? And I put it through the goddamn ringer, and then I couldn't get up most days for, you know, several weeks. I was sleeping 12 to 14 hours a day, because that's what chronic is. Fatigue looks like. So, anyway, how does that pertain about how does that pertain to the beard, you might ask? Well, I'm so glad you stepped in to keep me from just speaking nonsensically over and over again, much like the show normally is. So I started to grow the beard and then I just didn't want to do any of the maintenance on it. And it's also quite a project to just remove a beard, too, right? It's just not like just like take it off and put it put it down or whatever, like you yeah, actually I have to shave and if I'm going to go ahead and shave, I might as well just manicure and trim the damn thing, so anyway, that whole long intro is basically Kajiano telling me like, just, you gotta kind of train down the sides, which I don't feel like doing, or just shave them down, which I also didn't feel like doing. So I eventually got around to it. So I shaved it down a little bit, and I'm just gonna kind of grow this part out. Mainly, this is for me because it's fun to play with. Like I, I like that. Like I, you know, I don't know who in my listening audience can grow a beard. Uh, I would say maybe half, roughly. I mean, I don't know. I don't know for sure. But like, it's a lot of fun. Like it's, it's definitely. It's like the facial hair version of that. Uh, what was it? That fidget spinner that like all the autistics were playing with. Uh, I'm not slamming autistics. It was just that's what it was, uh, and ADD sufferers and stuff like that. But that's that's kind of what it feels like. And I have got to tell you, I don't know if you've ever tried this. Like those of you that don't have a beard and have never had a beard, I have to tell you there is really no better prop for like when you're thinking about something than like just turning to the side and being like. And I realized my grandfather used to do that. My grandfather had a small beard, I think. Uh, he didn't have a Fu Manchu, but it was close to that. But he used to do that often. He would just be, like, thinking. And now I know why, like, all the, you know, the great presidents of, of you know, black and white pictures did that. Because they were constantly, mm, manifest destiny, slavery, war with England. Mm. Yes, exactly. So I think that's where it now, I'm not saying that I'm going to be, like, growing this beard out and being like, you know, we should take Mexico, because that seems, like, pretty aggressive and even for me, but, like, who knows, man, 2023 could just be filled with stupid ideas of mine, and, like, honestly, isn't it about time anyway? Like, we should just dedicate an entire year to DJ's stupid ideas. I feel like we can all get behind that, and we'll have, like, our its own, like, we could, we could have its own intro, like... You can all be like, but that's what the whole show is anyway. We've been doing that for nine years. You'd be right. All the nurses in New York City, not all of them, a lot of nurses in New York City are on strike because of safe, well, they're getting a pay increase, which they deserve anyway, honestly. Uh, but mainly, be, they're mainly striking because of safe staffing laws. And here's the most interesting thing I found out about it now. They are saying that basically they have uh, nine patients on average. That's what they were saying about Monty, right? Uh That they have like nine patients on average that they're monitoring at, at any given time. Right? Which explains why like on TV whenever like somebody's constantly calling the nurse, they're coming in and basically wanting to hit them with a bedpan. So I understand that. But... Uh, they're basically calling for, like, uh, the safe staffing stuff where they want, like, to be monitoring for patients. And then, obviously, if somebody's not, uh, you know, not being ta- taxed too much, they can help out with other nurses that might have more severe, uh, need more attention and stuff like that. So, I get it. But here's the thing that really kind of blew my mind. They are striking over this because they want, uh, you know, a four-to-one patient ratio. Um, that's a federal law. I did not know that. It was signed, I guess, after COVID or before COVID or just around COVID started. It's, it's a federal, it's called the safe staffing law. Like, hospitals are, are required by law to provide that. And our nurses in New York City are striking to get that. Like, what the hell, man? Like, it's a federal law. I didn't know that was optional. Oh, my God. Like... The things I could do with optional federal laws, I think, I don't even know. I am not some, clearly I am not some mastermind, right? I think we can all agree on that. So, But, like, I was just like, oh, my God, blown away. And then you see that in the backdrop of, like, what's going on in Congress right now, which is cracking me up, by the way. I haven't even taken the social media, like, talk about it because I feel like at this point some of the stuff is so subtle. Or just so obvious. Maybe it's so obvious that, like, people that aren't even addressing it, like, you guys are laughingstocks. Like, my, my, my absolute favorite part of this is that the, the Republican Congress, after taking, I don't know, 15 votes to elect their favorite boss, is basically just they're, they're targeting the government now. They're going to hold investigations into the government and the Justice Department because of uh, accusations of weaponizing the government. Right, weaponizing the federal government. Here's the thing: the federal government, there are laws. You might have heard of them. Some of them are in the Constitution. Some of them are actually made by Congress. Yeah, Congress writes these laws. Right, it's one of the things they do. Like if you ever studied civics, which I know it's America, so you haven't. But basically, the legislature the legislative branch, which is the House of Representatives and the Senate, write laws that's their job like you ever hear that like i'm just a bill yeah i'm only like that's a, like that wasn't just a catchy ass song and it was but it was also super informative there was also more information in that little three minute psa than most stupid rednecks can hold in their entire goddamn noggin if you know what i mean so they write these laws and the supreme court is supposed to you know weigh in on whether or not they're constitutional or not but we can leave them out of this for right now so Congress writes the laws. The executive branch, which includes the Justice Department, enforces those laws. It's how our government works. Says so in the Constitution. That pesky little thing that a lot of right-wing people want to be like, Constitution, but they've never read it. And even if they read it, they don't understand it because they don't have any friends smart enough to understand it and explain it to them on YouTube. So that's become kind of a problem. So the first thing that this Republican Congress has done Uh, Besides uh, gutting the House Ethics Committee, by the way, because so many of their members are under investigation. Like, what? (laughs) So that's one. Uh, But they're going to form a commission to investigate the Justice Department because they've weaponized the government. What they've done is they're enforcing these laws... And people that support Republicans are being implicated in some of these violations. That's not weaponization, right? That's if you drive 60 miles an hour in front of a school and you get pulled over for speeding... If you get out of the car and be like, I'm not paying that ticket because you're weaponizing the police for it. Yo, dude, it's the law, and you just got caught doing bad stuff. Which brings me totally to the next thing that they did, which they're going to defund the 87,000 positions that the IRS was going to be adding over the next 10 years. Do you know why they're doing that? I don't know why they're doing that. Or do I? I do know why we're doing that, because I have a brain... Now, the Secretary of the Treasury has come out on record and said that those 87,000 agents are going to be hired over the next 10 years. They're going to cover the natural attrition of IRS agents. They are also going to be used for mainly some auditing and stuff like that. Not all of them, because of the... 50,000 people or 70,000 people that already work at the IRS, like, first of all, a lot of them are going to be retiring over the next 10 years. But they're not all auditors. Some are agents, some are administrative. Most, or not most, like 13,000 of them or so are customer service representatives, you know, people you can't even get on the phone now. You know why that is? Because Republicans keep cutting those jobs. The next time you're on hold with the IRS, I want you to go, Thanks, Kevin McCarthy. This fucking sucks. Because that's his false. But here's the best part. The Secretary of the Treasury has come out on record and said that the extra audits will only be for households over $400,000 a year. Anybody in my listening audience in that bucket? Because if you are, I absolutely have a bridge I'd like to talk to you about. And just remember, the next time somebody you know says something stupid about the IRS and weaponizing the federal government, keep one thing in mind. If you aren't cheating on your taxes, you've got nothing to worry about. So, you know who's upset about the 87,000 extra IRS agents? Stay with me now. People who cheat on their taxes. (laughs) Want to guess what party has most of those people in it? Especially millionaires and billionaires and big ass corporations? I'll give you a hint.
1: It's not the Democrats.
2: Okay, now don't tell anybody, but be sure and tell everybody where you heard that. I'm sorry, normally I take this out on the Stunads on Facebook, but today it's got to be you. Now back to the beer. I couldn't recommend it more. Like, seriously, hmm, maybe it's making me smarter, like hmm, IRS agents. <laughs> My favorite thing yesterday was the whole, um, they had like a corrupt file at the FAA that prevented... Prevented, so it was like noticed to something like just about like safety concerns, and in, in an abundance of caution, the FAA grounded flights till about 9 a.m. and actually ended up being a little bit longer than that. I will say, my oldest flew out to California last night for um, for a frisbee tournament he goes to every year. No problem. So everything was all fixed by then, right? So that's so that's it. But so. They're still investigating what happened, but it turns out it was just like a corrupt file. And like anybody that ever you know worked on a Windows computer knows that sometimes you just need to reboot that because it's fun. But uh, I happen to just be reading somebody else's tweet, and then I mistakenly and accidentally, and this probably caused me a couple of brain cells, I accidentally read a tweet from Lauren Bobert, who is the uh, congresswoman from Colorado who's arguably the dumbest Person in Congress. And honestly, there's a race for that. And what she did, because Pete Buttigieg is Secretary of Transportation, so what she tweeted was like, Nice job, Mayor Pete. First of all, hella disrespectful, you fucking twat. He's the Secretary of Treasury, and you're just some clam from Colorado that people thought would be funny to vote into office. I don't know. I'll go with Secretary Pete. But also she goes on to say this is what happens when you hire liberals to do a job that they're not qualified to do. Not qualified to do a job. Bobert, you are a dumb fucking twat, man. You have no balls. You You have no standing whatsoever. You have some balls. You have no standing whatsoever to be talking about anybody that's not qualified to do something. You are arguably the dumbest person I have ever heard from in Congress, and you are actually trying to tell the Secretary of Transportation how to do his job. The man is so overqualified, I'm surprised he even bothers to know your name. Now, I am not a Sexist, but Jesus Christ, woman, shut the fuck up. You are a waste of space in this government. You are a joke. Like, you are the literal laughing stock of Congress, and Nassau Republicans just elected George Santos to Congress. I mean, are you kidding me right now? Although I did see a cute little thing that said that the Republicans were touting all their diversity in Congress because of all the personalities of George Santos, and I thought that was really funny did say he was not going to resign, despite NASA Republican officials telling him he should resign because he basically lied his way into office. But man, I am so down with that because I'm going to run for office, and I really should get elected because of all my years of experience in Congress, the Senate, and the Supreme Court, and also that time I was pope. And don't forget, I was... All these other things. Medical doctor, lawyer, basketball player. I, I threw the only no-hitter for the Mets all year last year. Like, dude, seriously? That's who you elect to Congress? And you want to know why it doesn't work well? Like, those are the dudes that are in charge. They can't even keep their own house in order. They, literally, they run on, we're going to drain the swamp. They literally opened the doors and let the swamp in. They're the dumbest people I've ever seen. And it's so funny that real, honest-to-God conservatives don't step up and, like, reclaim their party from this bunch of re- ridiculous morons that are just making everything just a laughing stock. You think confidence in Congress is going to go up with people like Bobert and Santos? Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean I would love to honestly watch the party implode. I would love to watch the Democratic Party implode because I've said for years how tired I am of all the stuff going on to my far left. Like I'm so over it. Like not everybody needs to get penciled in to have their own rights. Like live here or don't. Like if it's really truly unfair and you're stepping on somebody else's rights, you're in the wrong. But don't be demanding rights from other people that they have to sacrifice too because now you're stepping on theirs. And that's not cool. So if the center of the Republican Party and the center of the Democratic Party want to get together and, like, I don't know, have a real, honest-to-God discussion about something, I'm your guy. And I should be, because I am currently President of the United States, and this message has been approved by George Santos, Republican from Nassau County. By the way, none of that did I want to talk about at all. I had a whole list of stuff I want to talk about, including the new Top 20 that's out this week, but... God damn it! It's totally Republican's fault, unless it's Biden's fault. It's probably Biden's fault. I think we can all agree. I ran long. Thanks, Joe. I also have a slight headache. Maybe that'll get better. I'm gonna play some music and I'll see you on the other side.
0: Hard rock lunch
2: box. Uh, all right, just to address some of what's—why is this so low? Like, what is going on here? The microphone. So. Ah, that yeah, sounds so low to me. I don't know. What to I guess I could turn it up. Turn it up. Ba, da, ba, ba, ba. Yeah, yeah. Ninety-nine WNRR, the future. <laughs> I want to hear some Jesus Priest. I'll get to that later. But I want to just real quick on the on the, on the Congress thing or the Republican thing. So. Oh. I just want to address something that's going on in the chat here. So one of the like sort of truisms of elected politics is that Democrats generally don't attack Republicans, like, not dirty attack. Like, seriously, like, this is where people have said to me after I do stuff like that, like, you should run for office. It's not because I have the qualifications, like, I might, but it's because I will call these people out constantly, and I am not kind about it. Like, the, the worst we get right now will be Schumer, who's actually really funny, because uh, I've heard some behind-the-scenes kind of stuff, but, like, he'll go up there as, like my Republican friends disagree with the value of the American. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, and like what happens is like prominent Democrats that actually do step up. Like they, they all seem to screw up along some ethics things, but then they resign. Now I want to like, just point this out real quick. Like, so, uh, when Al Franken was Senator, like he resigned for basically taking pictures of himself with a woman that was sleeping. And he was like, pretending to grab her boobies, and there was, like, some groping charges, all of which, like, if they're true, like, that's disgusting and really needs to be worked out, but he resigned, right? Like, Andrew Cuomo still has not been convicted of anything. It was just the appearance of impropriety because he was, like, a single guy, and you were talking about how women felt uncomfortable in his presence, not necessarily because things were sexual. Like, in fact, the couple of instances that were taken to the attorney general, ended up being dropped, so I can't say for sure what happened and what didn't happen, but he resigned from governor. He was a much better governor with all of the alleged groping on than Hochul is by a lot. He was also a big, big outspoken opponent of a bunch of bullshit that was going on in the government. And then my, so like, but like keep in mind like what we've got right now, like George Santos lied to get into Congress, lied about who he was, all that other stuff. His own party has called for him to resign, and he won't. Matt Gaetz is under federal indictment for sex trafficking underage girls across state lines. He's like one of the biggest stars of the Republican Party right now. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene cheated on her husband twice. She's on the family morals ticket. And like I just said, like, like Bober is like the dumber than a box of rocks. Like I would much rather have a box of rocks represent Colorado. Colorado should be embarrassed, and I think a lot of Coloradans are, because she is just unbelievably stupid. And that Carrie Lake one—oh, don't even get me started. Anyway, so my favorite one, and the, the reason I want to bring up like the attacking, like like what we need is in, in terms of an attack dog back. Before Anthony Weiner decided to show pictures of his penis to, like, anybody that would look, I guess, uh, he was in Congress, and he represented New York, and he represented his district in New York. And one of the funniest things I ever saw, and I don't even know why I saw it, other than maybe it was just covered, like, on The Daily Show or something like that. Uh, The two people you need to know involved in this are are Anthony Weiner, who represented New York, and this is back when Sherrod Brown, who I think is absolutely awesome. He's now a senator from Ohio. He was a congressman then. And Anthony Weiner was on the floor of the House talking about basically what scumbags Republicans are because they're trying to, like, block all this funding for the American people. They're constantly trying to give tax breaks to, you know, the richest 1% and corporations. And Anthony Weiner is just yelling and yelling and yelling about this. And then he's out of time, right? He gets, like, five minutes or whatever to say kind of whatever he wants on the floor. And he stops talking almost mid-sentence. And he looks over, and over to the right is Sherrod Brown. And Sherrod says, I'll yield my time to the gentleman from New York. And so they have procedures in the house. So the the, the person running it is like, you know, time has been seated, And this is all very calm. Time has been seated. Gentleman from Ohio to the gentleman from New York. Anthony Weiner very calmly looks at the person running this like... Sorry, and and how much time do I have? And she's like, you have an additional two minutes. And he starts immediately, and I have never seen, like just starts immediately ripping back into the congressional Republicans. And honestly, that's what we need. I am so tired of rolling over and playing dead. Like, all I would really do, like, if I were the press secretary, is I would just keep ignoring everybody from OAN and from Fox and let them print whatever they want. Like, let them say whatever you ever you want. You have the biggest pulpit in the world. You just go on there and maybe start tweeting, like, oh, look at this dude. Like, he has absolutely no idea how this works. And it's like, oh, Congresswoman Boebert, like, maybe you should take a job like this. Did you learn how to, like, be the FAA from, like, that shitty restaurant you ran? Is that what that is? That that is now owned by Mexicans, by the way. It's a taco place in Colorado. That's how good of a job you did, because you couldn't even run your business. So that was one of the funnier things I had seen in Congress. Uh, Not funny in Congress is the band Skindred, and I realized that that's a horrible, horrible segue, but... What are you gonna do? Listen, I'm following the example said by my my congressional leaders in the in the county over from me. By the way, great job again, Nassau County. Good job. That's the second. That's the second liar you tried to elect to office. Yeah, it's definitely definitely a mistake. Good job, Nassau. Super. That's why you guys are getting that new area code. That's probably not a lie. But look, uh, on a recommendation of my buddy Mikey Wayman, I went back and I listened to a little additional Skindred and uh, decided the pressure was not only appropriate, but would be next. It's probably not appropriate, but it's definitely next.
0: Hard Rock Lunch Box
2: So, as some of you may know or may not know, uh, I basically spent my first five years on this earth. Uh, a lot of that time was spent on the floor of my mother and father's rehearsal studio for the band they ran. Probably, uh, if, if you didn't know that already, it probably clicks. <laughs> some some of my future trajectory would certainly track with that uh, path. Um why I was so enamored with music and musicians and how cool I thought it was to be able to just do that, (laughs) you know, like, I still think it's cool, like, sometimes I forget, like, kind of how cool it is to do what I do, just even, I'm not talking about songwriting, because that's something else, because my parents were in, I mean, they wrote a couple of originals, but they were mainly a cover band, uh, which also might explain a few things, depending on what you know about me, (laughs) Uh, but I, I always thought it was kind of cool to be able to get some people together and, like, Play a song. Like, that's a really cool thing. And because of that, like, I was definitely... I held artists in general, and musicians in specific, in a very high regard. And also, back then, like, it wasn't like it is now where everybody can play. Like, it's just... Every, everything's accessible. And just because everybody can do it... Like, this is true of all things. Just because everybody can do it does not mean that everybody should do it. Like, there's definitely difference between people that are qualified to do something and then people that are just also doing stuff. But that's a discussion for another time. So back then it was a really cool thing to do Um, and to be able to do and to be perfectly honest and all conceited aside, I I got pretty good at it. And one of the reasons I got pretty good at it is because I was driven to do that sort of thing because people that were important to me or impressive to me or people that I looked up to did it. And I thought that was a cool thing. Also, because of that, I would end up taking on a lot of what my father's favorite bands, and my mom's too, to a lesser degree, because it was more—it was more important for me to impress my dad than my mom, um, and that's for some very basic reasons. But one of those things was my dad was a guitar player. My dad was a lead guitar player. Still to this day, one of the better lead guitar players I have ever met in my entire life. He was steeped in the blues. He was a you know, bona fide hippie, spent uh, paid his dues at Woodstock. In fact, that kind of hippie. He loved, uh, he loved Deep Purple, right, and Richie Blackmore and people like that. And he loved Yes and, and you know, uh, Steve Howe and Chris Squire. I mean, he was on bass and stuff like that. But I was steeped in the. The mystique of the amazing guitar player, Lindsey Buckingham, um, and of course, Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, and Jeff Beck, all three of which were guitarists for the Yardbirds, which is why I knew who they were, because the Yardbirds was always something that I knew to listen to, because my dad had those records, and those records were amazing, by the way, art wise, and even like what they were doing at the time, like you listen to them now, and it's just like, Jesus, man, that's awful, but it wasn't awful at the time. It was the forefront of things that were changing. And I've discussed this at length in other shows, so I don't need to now. But, like, when you come to a new movement, a new sound, a new something in music, there are always the ones that came first, right? Always those bands like we talked about, like, uh, like some of the bands that, like, were big in Seattle before Seattle broke. The ones that never quite made it. Like that kind of thing. Well, the Yardbirds was one of those precursors to that. If you look at any of those bands, any of the big bands that came out of that, the, the British uh, pop and rock invasion of the of the 70s and 80s. Well, I guess mainly the 70s. They all they all family tree up to the Yardbirds at one point or another, or John Mayall, Bluesbreakers, or something like that. That's just that's where. People got their start, so it was super important for me to like study that. And I didn't even know why, but I knew it was important for me to study them and know them. Obviously, uh, Jimmy Page would go on to form Led Zeppelin, one of the most influential rock bands in the history of the goddamn universe. Eric Clapton would be Cream and Derek and the Dominoes, and of course, all of his own stuff. Well, Jeff Beck was the other one, and arguably. I don't think that Jeff Beck ever achieved the same level of success that certainly Led Zeppelin did or the notoriety that Eric Clapton did, but Jeff Beck was one of those original Yardbirds and he was one of those original great guitar players with great bands, and one of the things that he really kind of had going for him was Rod goddamn Stewart, who, not to reuse the term arguably all that much, but arguably one of the greatest rock singers ever. And when him and Jeff Beck got together, it was just absolutely amazing to me. Like, just, it was never the same when it wasn't the two of them, and it was just simply magic when it was. Jeff Beck passed away yesterday. I think he was 76 or 78 from, I think it was uh, bacterial meningitis, so not a nice way to go. Uh, And with his passing, uh, it doesn't quite end the era of the great guitar players, but for me historically, like the Mount Rushmore of guitar players, if there were only three, it would be Jimmy Page, Eric Clapton, and Jeff Beck. And I am very saddened to know that that particular light was extinguished yesterday. He had just recorded some stuff with Ozzy, which I think in the, in your 70s, not that Ozzy's that much younger than that, is just effing awesome and was just cool and shows just how relevant a good guitar player and a good musician can be. But to be perfectly honest... The thing that really got me into Beck all those many years ago laying on my father's floor looking at albums during my summer vacation was this.
0: Hard. Rock. Lunch. Box.
2: By all accounts, the band Voicemail played their show over at Beery's on Saturday night, and all accounts said they did an absolutely stupendous job, and they were actually very good. I had every intention of trying to get there, to be perfectly honest. After an afternoon of recording all guitar parts, uh, with Kaz's solos and my melodies and stuff like that, I was just so completely burned out. I uh, I just I went to Uncle Giuseppe's. I raided their uh, food bar, what was left of it, uh, stubbed it into my face, and like basically just had to just chill with a just like not a not a baby migraine, but like I I had had enough. So I'm sorry to everybody in voicemails, that I couldn't be there. I'm sure. It did not make one bit of difference for the success of your show, and uh, yeah, as promised, I found other stuff from them that I like. And uh, if you're too lazy to get it uh, for yourself from Spotify, and let's be let's be honest, you probably are. I'll bring it to you on a silver platter. Here's the other song I grabbed from them. It's called Suit and Tired. It's voicemail in the box. Tea and satellite.
1: no one else in sight and the stairs you'll have to climb
2: DJ having a stroke, possibly. Possibly. Does DJ really have to pee and wants to end the show early? Probably. Probably. Or is it the twelfth of January and is it the promised release date of the new Craving's Train single? Sometimes I wish I had, like, so many more sound effects, but all I'm going to do is get more and more annoying with them, and I know nobody else wants them And honestly, who can blame them? I, I can't blame them. It's so, so I'm not going to blame Oh, I just remembered what's wrong with the microphone. Hold on. Hold on. Everybody, hold on. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the session there. Uh, hold on. I know exactly what it is. Come on. Come on. Oh, I'll fix it afterwards. But I did figure out what it was, and I'll explain it later. Or probably not. Actually, I'll probably just completely forget. What a surprise that would be, huh? <laughs> All right. So what I'm going to do is can- can- cancel this. Stop that. Bad. All right. Cool. I'm back. I'm back, baby. I'm back. I'm back in black. I hit the sack. Ah. Uh, Man, I just screwed up so bad. Sorry. I don't mean to take this and hijack this. This is supposed to be a good time. We've got brand new music from Craving Street. Yeah. (laughs) on this one for a while. I know for a fact it's a little bit of a departure from what you would normally expect from Craving Strange, but I have to tell you, over the last batch of singles, I think everything has been a bit of a departure from what you would expect from Craving Strange, and I think that that's the only thing you can really count on right now, is that we're always going to get something different, something where the boys are pushing that envelope in a different and new and special direction, and this one is absolutely fitting that mold, and I personally think it's just a fantastic song with a great sound and a great sort of direction and movement and it's going to be such a much needed and welcome much much welcome addition to their live show if you haven't seen it already it's actually super super good live but uh hey if you want to hear the recorded version i know a guy just brand new crazy, strange mean what you say on the box
1: Waiting in line for the right time, it never seems to come. Watching the lights, looking for landslides, buried under waiting for some. Someone to break these walls, negate these falls. Can you just save my life? Give it a try. Don't know what it means to me The feeling don't align. Waiting for signs is a lifetime Of getting up the courage to jump Closing your eyes, dropping a lifeline
2: I think I fixed my microphone. It certainly sounds better to me. I don't know if it sounds any different to anybody out in the real world and stuff, but that is way, 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 way better for me personally. And, of course, that's all that matters here at the Hard Rock Lunchbox. What's important to me, right? Isn't that what we're doing? No, of course not. Hard Rock Lunchbox. Yeah, man. Well, it's time for like what I would like to call my favorite song of last week. Maybe that's a new segment. Maybe it's not. Who cares? I was digging this so much last week that I played it for you last week, and then I played it all in my, like, personal life, like, constantly last week. And I'm going to play it again. And I'm not saying I'm playing this just for Q, but I would play it just for Q, but I'm also playing it for me because also me, but also Q, and also you guys. On the box. Hard. Rock. Lunch. Box we shared the stage with the farewell fire back in december i promised everybody we would probably work on doing that again maybe just I doing just a solid the drum beat, guys. Oh, i forgot you this part play the damn drum beat. Play the drum beat drum beat yeah typical guitar player what assholes anyway look for uh, 2023 we'll bring them back up on stage with us probably with craving and something heavy again because that's always fun hard rock Lunch box. I am definitely in the mood to keep it heavy. I don't know if that's because I just ate some chocolate and I'm a big fat guy, but it might be, but I'm not saying it also might not be. So there's a whole bunch of negatives that you can use this to figure out. Hard rock
0: lunch box.
2: It is super hard to go wrong with uh with dev tones. I was watching something very cool the other day about it was the mastering stems from Minerva and uh the dude that was doing it um was kinda just like pointing out the stuff like you'd never hear and like kind of the brilliance that is the production, the performance and the engineering of that record and Deftones in general. Like yeah, it was it was good. (laughs) It was good. So I've I've had a little bit more Deftones on the brain than uh than The normal, but there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of content out in the world, and I don't mean to like slam anybody. So like I'm not doing that, but like I am just so surprised by the sheer volume of people that consume such a sheer volume of absolute garbage. (laughs) I watch so little television, and honestly, I. I watch so little content because I'm just I'm honestly I'm too busy. I'm and i work I'm actually working like I'm actually working to watch more content. I'm trying to start consuming more content because I'm missing out. I'm missing out on some really great stuff. But I just don't have time to suffer a lot of the nonsense that people watch. Like I was talking about just the other day about like it is amazing to me. The people still watch reality television. It is amazing to me that people watch stuff like what's it called? like married to real estate or you know, flip it or fly or whatever. like watching other people live their fake lives. <laughs> i I can't understand why that is appealing or attractive to anybody. Like I literally like stop in my tracks to try and watch something uh, like that I could learn something from or something that's just gonna blow me away. Uh, If you haven't... um, What is... What am I thinking of? Um, So, uh, if you you haven't... um, If you haven't... Okay, so there's a documentary, and I gotta find it. I feel like it's on HBO. I I looked it up, but I couldn't figure out where it was. Uh, But it's... What is it called? Like, it might get loud. I think it may get loud, or... Actually, I... I can look it up so I don't give you wrong information. Uh, It Might Get Loud. Um, Oh, yeah, look at me go. Nailed it. Uh, it, It's a documentary. Okay, so let me just read you the the thing. Uh, It Might Get Loud It's a 2008 American documentary film by, by filmmaker David Guggenheim. It explores the careers and musical styles of prominent rock guitarists Jimmy Page, The Edge, and Jack White. The film premiered at the 2008 Toronto International Film Festival and received a wide release in the United States on August 14, 2009. I never heard of it. I never heard of it until Saturday when Kajani was telling me about this one particular scene. I think it's at the beginning of the movie where Jack White, in his true Jack White brilliance, basically builds an instrument from parts and plays it. And points out that, like, yeah, man, you don't necessarily just need a guitar. And it's not... We were discussing it as the... Kind of the pushback on people that, like, overuse guitar effects. Uh, not, Not to create, but to cover, right? Like, a lot... Like, we've... I've talked about this a lot, and I get a lot of pushback from it, especially from Kaz. But I get... I've talked about a lot of, like, how many guitar players will use the wah pedal to cover up deficiencies in their playing. Now, it's not their fault. It's Kirk Hammett's fault, because he basically did that all over that entire record, because it was just the coolest thing for him. Now, he has backed off that since, but a lot of guitarists that really can't play have used it to kind of cover that, to make it sound cooler than it is. And Kaz will argue that a lot of guitar players use it to swell and just add flavor to it and I truly believe that that's how Kaz uses it so he's correct in his argument where he's incorrect is the number or the percentage of guitarists that don't do that uh, and just use it to like like wow 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 automatically just sounds better than most of the shit that they're playing. So I take a strong exception to it. I play a wah in exactly one solo in my recent career and it's the one in another mistake and it needs to be there because of the pump of the song and what I'm trying to accomplish. But I don't play it in any other song. Like you won't you won't see that. I do use other effects in other solos for a reason. I actually use a um, kind of like a Leslie effect. It's like a rotary on what it is, but we almost never play that anymore. And of course, like any guitarist, like, I will use a delay and an echo. And an echo, you better damn well be playing the right thing and better be good, because otherwise, you're going to sound like shit for three times in a row if you're not, if you're not terrible. My point is, is that it's a brilliant scene, and, and, and what I expect would be a really an incredible documentary, so I'm going to try and make time in my very busy life to watch that to maybe learn something. You can learn a little something right here, right now, if you want. Hard rock lunch box. Yeah, man, somehow we made it through a whole new show or a whole other show or something. I don't know. Does anybody care? I don't care. Do you care? No, of course not. Why would you care? But we made it through another Hard Rock Lunchbox, and I want to thank you for all your assistance in doing so. I had more stuff to talk about, unsurprisingly. Some of that will carry over to next week. Probably not, because there will be more stuff. Just remember, keep an eye on everything that's going on in your government, the people that are supposed to be working for you. Do not pay attention to what they say. Pay attention to what they do. Or forget, just three days ago, Kevin McCarthy said on the floor of the House that he wanted to stop all the reckless spending of the Democrats. And the very first... Uh, bill that they brought in is going to cost $104 billion to the debt. Don't watch what they say, watch what they do, because that is really, uh, honestly, that's what you can do about literally everybody on earth, everybody we know, people that say stuff, people that say they're going to do stuff, people that, you know, believe in, say they believe in things or support things, like, and then they just don't. I, I am definitely been a victim of that, certainly locally, for sure. Uh, I think most people are aware of some of the stuff that's gone down that way, plus very, very fun public feuds for me, which... Definitely doesn't add at all to my stress level or overall weight problem. But that's for another show. Thank you for all hanging out and indulging some of the heavy stuff that we wanted to do here, and we'll carry on again next week. Remember, if you have any suggestions or things you really, really want to hear, send them on over to hardrive lunchbox at gmail.com. And we will do this again next week, the same bad time, same bad channel. And here's something you can dance your way out to on the box. Hard rock. LUNCH BOX